Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program Develop. We count it an absolute honor and a privilege to have you company with us as we conclude our exploration in this series that we titled Take Off. Essentially, this series is about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we spoke about His nature, His function, and how we can relate to Him as a people that want to live on a different realm. We don't want to live in our own abilities. We want to live empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the way God created us to live. And we said this, that the premise and the promise of this series is that we will, we will live uh, in, in our spiritual life as if we're flying, not walking. And this is how we put it together. We said living by the flesh, that is by our own capacity aside from God, as compared to living by the Spirit, is like walking on a plane as compared to flying by a plane. It's a completely different way of being transported. It's a completely different abilities that we're relying on. It's almost that we are carried to live and to do something that we could never do in our own capabilities. And we said in order to relate to the Spirit, in order to live this type of life, we have a three aspects of interaction with Him. We can receive the Spirit to indwell us and abide in us. Then we can allow Him to control us and as we surrender to Him. And finally, as we began thinking about last episode, that the Spirit overflows through us as to manifest the character of Jesus, which is the fruit of the Spirit, as well as the competencies of Jesus, which are the gifts of the Spirit, which we will talk about today. Here, we want to put before us a reality that Jesus communicated just uh, before uh, He left the disciples. And it's recorded in John chapter 17. And He says to the Father in verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus is saying to the Father that He completed the work that the Father gave Him to do. And we ask ourselves, as it's written in, in, in another uh, version, I think the Amplified Version, that Jesus completed to the minute details the work that God asked Him to do or sent Him to do. We say, how did Jesus do that? Because we also want to live in such a way that we fulfill our assignment on earth to the minutest details if possible. We want to live out the calling uh, and uh, the, the tasks that God has set before us. And we find the secret of Jesus' ability to live out everything that God intended for him uh, in the very beginning of his ministry where it speaks of Jesus having been baptized, uh, that he was full of the Holy Spirit as it's written in, in Luke 4.1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, 
returned from the Jordan as, and was led by the Spirit in the desert. That is before the wilderness, before his temptation, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And then in Luke 14, uh, 4, 14, after the temptation, after the encounter with the enemy and Jesus' victory over the enemy, we read that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about Him spread throughout the whole countryside. You see, Jesus was able to live out His entire calling to the minutest details because He was filled by the Spirit and He was empowered living in the power of the Spirit, manifesting the power of the Spirit. You need to be aware that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He did not uh, deceive uh, himself and others by taking on the capabilities of the divine and, and not really live like a human. He encountered all the difficulties. He lived like an obedient, perfect human being, but he was empowered by the Spirit. And now as a result of his uh, death and resurrection and ascension, we too can live in the fullness and power of the Spirit so we can live our assignment on earth. The gifts of the Spirit... I understand is a controversial type of topic and different denominations have different ideas and respected theologians have different perspective on the concept of the gift of the Spirit. I am only sharing my conviction and I'm, uh, I'm happy to be corrected, but these have been my convictions over decades as a result of the teaching I received, the research I've conducted in the Word of God and other God-honoring literature, and in my own observation and experiences of full-on believers who live for Jesus wholeheartedly. The gifts of the Spirit are the supernatural manifestation of the capabilities of Jesus. That means when the Spirit is manifested in us, we show the competencies, the abilities that Jesus himself had. He says that these people who are his followers would do miraculous signs. They, they will pray over the sick and they shall be healed. They will lay their hands on the sick. They will exercise evil spirits. In fact, they will drink poison and it will not harm them. Jesus said that they will do greater things than what I have done. The Spirit manifests the capabilities of Jesus through the believers. And I understand that some uh, denominations express that the, that, that the gifts have ceased. And I respect their understanding of the scripture and I respect their, their, their perspective. However, you see in the scripture, biblically, it says that those gifts will cease when the perfect comes. Who is the perfect? 
many of these denominations say that when the Bible is compiled together, then we don't need any more of those gifts because we have the Scripture with us. But the reality that the perfect can only refer to Jesus. You know, we, we, we can't possibly say that since the compilation of the, uh, the, 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 the scriptures uh, that there have been no more miracles around. Maybe not in the same intensity as it was in the era of Jesus and the apostles, but miracles throughout the history of the church have been evident. You know, it's, it's, it's not hard for us to see some of the miracles that occurred even uh, through, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the desert fathers and, and through so many people who are living wholeheartedly for Jesus. In fact, in my own life and in our context in growing up in Egypt, they were significant people, known people who had been endowed with miraculous type of giftings that they exorcised demons. Some uh, particular God-honoring uh, monk uh, in uh, an area close to Alexandria would pray over many women and they were and he was gifted to uh, to, to see many ha become uh, mothers who were otherwise barren. I've seen people who uh, you know were blind and I got sight and, and, and even in our own family I've seen uh, my father being used to pray over someone who was paralyzed for 14 years and he stood up. You can't manufacture that. You can't tell me the era of the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Plus, what about the world? Isn't our world in need of the manifestation of the Spirit just like the world in the days of Jesus and the apostles? How come our world today doesn't get to see the manifestation of the power of our God? Why can't they see the glorious care and compassion of our Savior manifested in interacting and intersecting with their practical lives? Jesus came not merely to display His majesty, but He was moved with compassion and He still is the same yesterday, today and forever. All of this to say, I'm convinced that the gifts of the Spirit were not merely for a period of time, but these signs were meant to follow those who believe in my name in Mark 16. Not those apostles, it says those who believe in my name. And Paul in the scripture mentions the gifts of the Spirit in at least three separate parts, and Peter mentions it also in his first epistle. We read about the gifts of the Spirit in Romans chapter 12. We read about them again in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, and we read about them in Ephesians chapter 4. All in all, we have a combined uh, number of gifts, which is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination, but we have at least 19 gifts. And my conviction is that God would give gifts to people based on their assignment. You know, why do we seek the gifts of the Spirit? 
first of all, to be able to do the assignment that God given us. You can't do God's work with human capabilities. We do God's work with divine enablement. Those who serve may serve with the abilities that God supplies, it tells us in 1 Peter. And when we serve with a giftedness that's endowed upon us by the Spirit, Mind you, Jesus said to the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you're endowed with power from on high. They can't even witness without the Holy Spirit. But that's an aside. When we are gifted with the abilities and the manifestation of divine capabilities, we live in a place of flow. We're able to... Uh, you know, do the work of God without struggle. I don't mean with that labor and hard work, but with that feeling totally depressed about our inabilities. Then there is a sense where we feel fulfilled that we were born to do this by the abilities that God supply. And guess what? Those people who are gifted by the Spirit to do the work of God, they usually see fruitfulness while others can labor for so long and catch nothing. So I want to share with you a brief example from the first book of Corinthians chapter 12 about the different gifts that God supplies to manifest the Spirit in the lives of the believers. And I will use that to summarize three categories of gifts. They not by any stretch of the imagination exhaustive. God can give any gift that He wants that in order for you to accomplish your God-given task. Paul says to a church that was, uh, you know, we, we read about Paul visiting Corinth uh, around 51 AD. He spent about a year and a half in that church. And uh, that church, when, when Paul left and he was in Ephesus around 54, 55 AD, he began to hear about some difficulties uh, that, and problems and conflict that, arised, that, that arose in, in the church in Corinth. Uh, they were divided at church. Some for Apollos, some for Paul, some for Cephas. They, they were divided people. They were disorderly people. They weren't really uh, doing the worship of God in an ordinary manner. They also were defied people, defiled with sexual immorality. They weren't your ideal church. They weren't a church where you say, yeah, I get it why they have the gifts of the Spirit. They really are a top of Christians who are elite. No, no, no. They were just like you and me. People under the affliction of our sinful nature. People who are tempted like we're tempted. People who are stuffed up like you and I mess up. Yet, un inevitably, Paul acknowledges that they were also gifted in such a way that they manifested the capabilities of God. And Paul acknowledges that when he was sent letters asking him questions, that even the use of their gifts was creating a division and categories of honor and dishonor amongst the people. You would, you would imagine God would say, you guys are so messed up. You're using the gifts for your own selfish agendas. 
I'm just going to withhold the gifts from you. But no, God didn't do that because the gifts had a very important task and that is to enable the church to accomplish the mission of God, to manifest the character of God and to transform the world for Jesus only by divine capabilities not based on human worthiness. So let's read from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 7. And it says, Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Have you noticed what Paul is saying here? The reason we need different kinds of gifts, because there are different kinds of ministries. There are different kinds of divine tasks to reach out the world and to build up the church. There are different opportunities that require different giftedness, different abilities that people do not have naturally. It's not natural talent. It's not developed uh, skills. It's a gift that God gives to each believer. Why? To manifest the Spirit, to show that the Spirit is alive and well, but also for common good. That means for the benefit of all. It's not a selfish thing by which we have a badge. I have the gift of prophecy. Good on you. It's not about you whatsoever. It's about building the church and it's about reaching a lost world for God. And we notice that there are three categories, at least three main categories of gifts. One relates to knowledge, one relates to actions and power, and one relates to utterness. Let's have a look at those briefly. To one, there is given through the Spirit. Have you noticed the power of the Spirit in every, it's linked to, that the Spirit of God is linked to every gift. The message of wisdom and to another, the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. You notice wisdom and knowledge are here can be categorized under divine knowledge where God gives practical understanding and practical judgment, practical discernment and wisdom and He gives uh, divine knowledge to people. That's the first category. It says to another faith by the same category and that's the faith to, uh, to, uh, to be involved in miraculous powers. It's not just the faith of a saving faith. It's like when Jesus was confronted with the disciples and they couldn't uh, exercise a demon of a young lad when, when, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, faithless generation. That if they had a faith like a mustard seed, they will say to the mount, move from here to there and it will obey you. That's the type of faith we're talking about. That God gives a measure of faith that enables that believer to believe for supernatural, miraculous manifestation. 
to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. So we can put faith and healing under the actions, supernatural actions, to another miraculous powers. That's also divine actions. And then it says to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit He gives them to each one. He repeats again. Just as He determines. The Spirit determines what gifts He gives. He has a will to give some people this gift and others the other gift. But we notice here the utterance, the divine utterance. There is prophecy. There is different kind of tongues. And then there is interpretation of tongues. And these are utterance that speak of the manifestation of the Spirit of God. In tongues, there are two types of tongues we know about in the New Testament. Tongues that relate to known languages, just like in Acts chapter 2, where they either spoke in, in a different language or people heard it in their own language. Whatever it means that these were known languages that people were affiliated with based on their region and ethnicity, and they understood these languages, even though the speaker or the speakers didn't know those known languages. But in the first book of Corinthians, we hear of a second type of tongue that is known as the tongue of angels, which is not known language. It is a prayer language. We call it prayer language, where people can edify themselves by praying in such a way. Paul says that he prays with his mind and he prays with his spirit. It's a, it's a spirit language where it's not necessarily understood even by the person who prays, but it builds himself up because the spirit is groaning within the believer. So, If there are so many different gifts, we talk about 19 different gifts, mercy, service, administration, uh, uh, teaching, uh, giving, all of those different types of gifts, as many as we need to accomplish our task, how do we manifest this capacity? How do we live out in such a way the gifting that God has given us. How do we receive the gifts? How we release the gifts in our lives? I want to give you three simple instructions that I have gleaned from the scripture to help us to identify our gift, to develop our gift, to exercise our gift for the common good. Number one is ability. Number two is availability. And number three is authority. Let's look at the first one, our God-given ability. You see, over and over again, it says that God appoints your function and therefore your gift. He gives that based on how He determines. Again, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says that Christ who ascended sent gifts to men and He endowed the church with 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. He given gifts, appoints the function of the believer in the body, and therefore he gives them the gifts that are required for them to live out their calling. That's why it's written in the New Testament that the giftings and the callings of God are irrevocable. The gifts match our calling. So the first thing we need to know is what is our calling so that we can desire the gift that enables us to live that out. And here is a little hint. People that don't desire the gift of God to live out their ministry task and their God-given life task are people who are self-sufficient. People that feel they have what it takes to live out their God-given assignment. But humble people who acknowledge that they are weak, acknowledge that they are uh, the, the, the children of God who are called to do great things for God's purposes, but they know in themselves they don't have what it takes. Then they say, Holy Spirit, control me. You already abide on the inside of me. So control me and manifest the character and the competency of Jesus. The first thing Paul teaches the Corinthians, he says, desire a spiritual gift. He talks to people who are stuffed up, he talks to people who have misused the gifts, but he still does not warn them to run away from the gifts. He says to them, desire a spiritual gift. Why? Because of the common good. Why? Because the Spirit will be manifested in us collectively when we live with His divine capability. If you want a God-given ability, you need to desire the spiritual gift that will enable you to fulfill your task that is given by God for the common good. The second thing is God-prompted availability. You see, gifts are needed to complement the work of the body. As it's written in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. No one person has all the gifts. Why? Because God is not building up heroes. God wants the body of Christ to be adorned with His characteristics and His capabilities. He wants the world to see what Christ's body looks like as every member plays their part. God wants us to be united in His collective mission of manifesting Jesus to the world and building one another up towards maturity. So if you want to experience the manifestation, the giftings of God in your life, you need to begin to want to work with others, to collaborate with others. And you do that, that once you identify your role, you begin to experiment with what God may be allowing you to live out supernaturally. Say, so Paul tells them, excel in your gift. That means you take your role seriously and not take your role seriously so that you can be well known as the healer or the best you know, administrator 
or the most persuasive preacher or the one who is most generous in your network is not about me, it's not about you. I excel and I develop in my gift because I care about the collective good. I want the body to shine with the capabilities of Jesus. So I exercise my gift. Now that I know what God is giving me because I know the task, then I immerse myself either through reading, or through communicating with others, or through exercising it in action, through experimentation, develop by use. The last thing is God awarded authority. That's how your gift gets released. You see, it says gifts are given for the common good. That is the motivation. You see, James tells us that we ask and we don't receive because we ask because we want to spend it on ourselves. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But the people that God is pleased to manifest His capabilities in them through the gifts of the Spirit are people whose motives are not to show off or to feel superior than or to be credited, accredited and applauded and, 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 and approved by other people. They people that are doing it for the sake of God's glory and the good of others around them. You, your authority to exercise your power, that is your right to exercise your power, will be dependent on your motivation of why you want to live out this gifting in your daily endeavor. Friends, my heart desire for every single one of us is to allow the Holy Spirit to not only dwell within us, not only to control us, but to manifest the character and the capabilities of Jesus in the world so that the world may be transformed by His abilities and may the world be gobsmacked by His character traits manifested in us. And as you live under the control of the Spirit, imagine the impact over your family. Imagine they look at you and say, how can you put others before you? How do you have this wisdom and knowledge that is not associated with your education? How can you serve so selflessly? How can you love so unconditionally? How can you pray over others and they be healed? How can you utter words that are palm to people's wounds? How can you live under so much tension but stand strong and care for other people? And as they explore your life, as they touch your competency in Jesus, they will say what they said about Paul, about Peter and John. Surely these people are ordinary people, but they were with Jesus. And Jesus will get the glory. The world will know Him better. And the church will be built up. The believers will be made more, more and more like Jesus. And He will be pleased with the little you invest. And as you spend yourself loving Him, loving others, being faithful in the little, He will raise you over much for the glory of God, the goodness of His people. And that's our prayer 
for you. God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you in our next series. Until then, be utterly blessed.